This is Life Change Church in Muskegon, Michigan. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for giving us your ears while you mow the lawn, kayak, do the dishes, or sit with the knitting circle. Watch us on Facebook Live Sunday mornings at 9.30 or subscribe to the weekly podcast at mylifechangechurch.tv. This is Pastor Ron Rands. Uh, That's not a popular topic uh, by any means, but it's something that the Lord has really prompted in my heart. And uh, I believe it's going to bring some clarity and some understanding, not only of to the Word of God, but to the time in which we're living, and, and even help us with how to make right decisions in these uncertain times. Uh, something that the Holy Spirit really revealed to me uh, through this passage in uh, Acts, and it talked about the time when the church was really growing, uh, and they had just come through a time of persecution. Uh, it was when uh, actually the Pharisee, which was, his name was Saul at the time, which you know him, or maybe you don't know him, as the Apostle Paul. And it, it came right after his conversion. And uh, actually Saul was the person who was persecuting the church and going in from city to city and, and taking people that were, uh, what you might say, uh, founded and on fire for Jesus. And he was having them literally arrested or even some of them actually uh, stoned to death. And we're not going to go into those scenarios, but Jesus has an encounter with Saul. Saul is a person who was confused. He thought that Jesus was a counterfeit. He misunderstood who God was, and he was struggling in his own heart. He was thinking in his own life that he was following God, and and yet he was doing the exact opposite of what God wanted him to do. Well, today, I want you to understand that God is looking at our hearts. That's what God is after. And never has there been such a time that I know of, at least in my time of living, where you can have the examination of your own heart. Many times I've seen where people examine not themselves between in God's presence, but examine themselves amongst themselves. And they bounce ideas off each other, that even in the church, they bounce thoughts off each other, and they get their understanding of who they are or references of who they are from one another, not from God or God's word. And a new passage that is seeming to make more uh, life to me than ever is, again, Romans 15, 4, and I've been referencing it ever since this whole COVID thing has been going on. Romans 15, 4, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. Not only to teach us, these scriptures were to give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, Your Holy Spirit inspired the Word thousands of years ago, and it's the same, Lord God, truth that the Holy Spirit inspired that makes understanding in our hearts today, currently. Holy Spirit, we pray for current understanding, not of just things that are going on in this world, but things going on in our own heart in reference to the world and more importantly, in reference to you. Thank you for your truth that sets us on a course of freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, um, I'm gonna open with this thought, the fear of man or the fear of God. 
the fear of man or the fear of God. In Proverbs 29, 25, it says, the fear of man, it brings a snare. But whoever leans on, trusts in, and puts his confidence in the Lord is safe and set on high. How many of us right now want to feel safe and set on high, that God has got us, that he has got this thing taken care of? I found this on the internet when it talked about, in in reference to kind of our own hearts or the fear of man or the fear of God. Each of us is instinctively knows our existence fits into a larger purpose. I just asked our elders this last week, you know, why are you here? Our purpose or our story, despite postmodernism attempts to convince us otherwise, it is impossible for us to create our own ultimate meaning. Deep down, we know such self-created meaning is absurd. So, we cannot help but derive our identity, our values, and our meaning from external sources. Moreover, we instinctively seek them from external personal sources. We know deep down they are bestowed on us by a person. Obviously, we who know Jesus Christ, we know it's God himself that bestows that personal value in our lives. The person to whom we ascribe most authority to define who we are, what we're worth, what we should do, and how we should do it, is the person we fear the most. Do we fear man or do we fear God? Because it's the person whose approval we want most. Do we want approval from our spouse? Do we want approval from our children? Do we want approval from our neighbors? Do we want approval from our workplace? Do we want approval from our paycheck? Do we want approval from our position in life? Do we want approval from the church? Or do we really want approval from our Lord himself? God designed us this way. He put something inside of our own hearts that we would have this place where we would reference and, and begin to build who we are, our identity, from that very foundation, and I would call it either fear of man or the fear of God, but that place belongs to God. I can tell you from um, a lot of experience in my own life where I have made the wrong reference place in my life, and usually those steps that take on, whether they're steps way in the future or steps currently, they're usually always the wrong ones when it becomes the fear of man. For instance, there was a time where I was afraid of losing my own spouse, my wife. She had never given me any, uh, any kind of picture that she'd ever leave me, but I was full of fear of my marriage. And it made me do things, it made me say things, it made me react to things inappropriately. And it, when it came to that point where Jesus says, look, you need to give your marriage, you need to reference your marriage to me and surrender it to me. I wish I could have said I did that, you know, uh, 30-some years ago um, at the altar while I was, you know, dedicating and making those vows, but the truth is that's not what I did. It was many years after I made those vows to my wife and to God. So today, again, as we talk about the fear of man and the fear of God, Many of us are living in the fear of man today. All you gotta do is even look on Facebook or or even get into any kind of experience, whether you're looking at the X's on the floor or whether you're wearing, where somebody's wearing face masks, somebody isn't wearing face masks or whatever people are attributing to how they feel about the governor, how they don't feel about the governor. Whatever it is, it's all over the media. It's all over our lives. This reference of who do we really 
ascribe our identity in. And we're pointing our fingers at one thing, we're pointing our fingers at another thing, but really what we should be doing is looking and pointing our fingers at our own hearts and say, God, where's my reference? Are you truly my healer? Are you truly my provider? Are you truly my hope? Are you truly my encouragement? Are you truly my marriage? Are you truly the parent that will give me? Are you truly my insight? And we could go on and on and on. And today, again, Romans 15, 4, it says, These, the scriptures were written to teach us, to give us a hope, to give us an encouragement. And so I'm gonna go through some passages and some history lessons, two of them today. One of them, and we're gonna reference this um, kind of vaguely, because we're gonna take a little more time on the other one, but the one is, I've already mentioned, is Saul, who becomes Paul. And we can find this passage in Acts chapter nine, and you can reference that in your own study time. But in Acts chapter nine, um, Saul is, uh, he's on a vendetta to arrest people that are of the, um, the faith. He thinks that people that are of the faith, or which means those who are followers of Jesus Christ, are confused and they're deceived. He's arresting them. Again, I have already referenced, he's actually stoning them. And in this journey that Saul has, God has a, a stopping point or has an enlightening moment. And I'm just fast forwarding this, this history moment. He becomes converted. He actually has this moment with God himself and Jesus introduces himself. You know, this is what I love about my Lord. No matter how confused I am, no matter how lost I am, Jesus is always trying to meet me in an intersection. We, we could look at that as the cross and stop me from my foolishness. And that's what we find in Acts chapter nine. And what I love about after this conversion, because there's such persecution that goes on in the church, we can find this passage in Acts 9, verse 31. The church then, and I'll get to that moment then in a moment, that word, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. They lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it grew in numbers. Let's look at that word then, because today we could look at the same thing, then. When it, it, the word then could mean I'm gonna be able to go to the store and buy anything I want. Then means I can go out with my powerboat. I can't just go out with my kayak and go out fishing. Then could be I won't be thinking about who's touching me and not touching me. Just recently I went to the Muskegon dump and had, had, had some stuff that was some clutter in my life and I got rid of it. And of course they're handing me these things and I, they don't want to physically touch me. And I, I looked at the attendant and, and I go, I'm so tired of not being touched. And she laughed and I laughed because you know, I, I want to be touched in life. God made us to be that way. In fact, there's studies, and we're not going to go through that. It says a baby that, that, that is never touched by its mother or father. In fact, it goes through so many scenarios of brokenness. Even as a child, we are going through a brokenness in society because we want to be touched. Touched by words, touched by love, touched by many different things, especially even in touched in the church. Then mean could be, when are my kids going to go back to school in this crazy chaos that's going on in my house? Well, in that moment then meant is that the church was now getting, they just came past an experience of persecution. The main culprit of that persecution was Saul, who was converted, he became Paul. Now I want to go into another historical moment. The one I just referenced to was found basically 2,000 years ago. Now I want to be even back up another 900 years before that. So basically we're around 900 B.C., 
And this historical moment is a, a King Jehoshaphat, and we can find it in 2 Chronicles chapter 18. We're going to read it together. 2 Chronicles chapter 18, and we'll start with verse 1. Now Jehoshaphat had great wealth and honor, and he allied himself with Ahab by marriage. It wasn't his marriage, it was his son who married Ahab's daughter. Some years later, he went down to see Ahab in Samaria. Ahab slaughtered many sheep and cattle for him and the people with him and urged him to attack Ramoth Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, asked Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied, I am as you are and my people as your people. We will join you in the war. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of the Lord. So the king of Israel brought together prophets, 400 of them, and asked them, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I not? Go, they answered, for God will give it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? Then the king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, there is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micah, son of Imlah. They should not, the king said, King Joseph said, you should not say such a thing. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and, bring, and said, bring Micah, son of Imlah, at once. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gates of Samaria, with all the prophets prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah, son of Kenah, had made iron horns, and he declared, this is what the Lord says. With these you will gore the Armenians until they are destroyed. All the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hands. Verse 12, the messenger who had gone to summon Micah said to him, look, the other prophets without exception are predicting success for the king. Let the, your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. But Micah said, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what my God says. Now, in, in, uh, if we can read this particular passage on, and there's many people that kind of get confused in this passage because there's a reference to God having this army up in the heavens. And God begins to speak because what had happened is, is King Ahab is an actual very wicked king. He has led God's people to do wicked things, and God literally wants him out of office. And what happens in this, this um, particular passage that we can read, and you can read it later, is that the Lord again says, how in the world are we going to um, arrange for King Ahab to uh, actually get out of office, to have a new king arise? And there's, they're having this, in fact, this is what I want to do is, number one, get this, God has a warring team up in the heavenlies. That's number one. Number two is, is that God is on your team and he's wanting great things to come in your place. And even if there is a wicked leader, God knows how to take that leader out of its place in his time and not to do it in your time. And so there's a couple things and we could learn from that. 
And what happens is, is that these leaders that are with God, and one of them begins to say, I know how, I will speak lies inside the prophets, and the, they will, and that the kings will be led by these lies. The one thing I want you to understand today is it's hard to determine with all the different aspects and all the different reasoning and, and the things that are going on in our media and even things that are going on in our church media, what is right from wrong? This is why God gave us this reference point inside of our hearts and this is why I wanna to speak to you today about the fear of God and not the fear of man. See, that place of what we ascribe, if we ascribe the fear of man, then you have a lot to be worried about. COVID-19, you have a lot to be worried about. Um, you have a lot to be worried about when it comes down to your unemployment. You have a lot to be worried about when it comes down to what, what is going to be happening with our school system. You have a lot to be, if we're referencing and ascribing man as our leader or are we ascribing God as our leader? How do we navigate in these places? And God has given us a navigation and that is to look inwardly where he speaks and that we can get our next steps or our foundation steps with him. Referencing this passage, we can go over there. Number one is, so what is the fear of the Lord? And here are some passages I'm going to have. They're not going to be up on the screen, but I'll try to go through them and maybe you can write them down. Or you can actually just Google these passages, the fear of the Lord. That'll help us understand what does the fear of the Lord look like? Because what I'm trying to help you understand is how important it is. We're not, I'm not afraid of God or His judgment. The fear of the Lord is a way God speaks to us, which means to revere Him. In fact, we're, we're living in a time today where we don't even discipline our children today. And we don't really understand that our children need to understand that there should be consequences for wrong behavior. And that is another reference point. And God wants us to understand there should be consequences for wrong behavior. But we're living in an environment today, there's no consequences to it. That fear of the Lord helps us understand that there should be, and that there's a right from the wrong, that we can't, that you can't start out wrong and be led right. You have to start out right and be led into his righteousness. Job 28, 28 says this, and he said to man, the fear of the Lord, that is the wisdom, is to shun evil brings understanding. Psalms 111, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belong eternal praise. Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of the Lord adds length of life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life turning a man from the snares of death. Proverbs 15, 16, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth and turmoil. Proverbs 15, the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before honor. Proverbs 16, 6, through love and faithfulness sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. In Proverbs 23, 17, do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. 
Isaiah 11, 3, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. Can I say that again today? How important this passage, Isaiah eleven three, 3, is today. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees or decide what he hears with his ears. Today, we are making so many judgments by what we see or what we hear, but our delight is not in the fear of the Lord. So what does fear of the Lord look like? A couple just some things we can grab from perspective from those passages I just gave to you. Number one is, it begins right decisions. If we're living in these uncertain times, which we are living in, and we need to make right decisions, the fear of the Lord is a reference point to make those right decisions. It's the beginning of it. Psalms 111.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of it, the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of making a right decision. Number two, it's a teacher. The fear of the Lord is a teacher. Proverbs 15.33 says, the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom. Not only is it a beginning, but it begins to actually become a teacher in your life. And it's also discernment. Boy, do we need discernment today. It means he, if he who delights in the fear of the Lord, he's not going to literally go by what he sees or what he hears, but he's going to discern what is truth in his walk. So going back to the historical moment that happened 2,900 years ago, give or take, Jehoshaphat. Let's go through just this, this history, historical moment and kind of pick up the fear of God in Jehoshaphat's life. Let's pick it up. Number one is, is that we find is that Jehoshaphat is um, struggling with the fear of man and he's struggling with the fear of God. What do you say, Pastor Ron? The fear of man is in his life. His son is married into the home. So he, he wants to appease his son's dad. There's a relationship, and many times I, I look back and my own motives, in fact, I was sharing this with some of the leaders just this morning, I go, I feel like my motives of my heart have never been more exposed to God. That not, not, I'm not even sitting there pointing at what's right from wrong, I feel so much inside of my own heart, there are spots in my own heart that I would pick my family sometimes over, I think, what God would say. Or I would pick, you know, I would pick what I, I wanted to be there, wanting to be heroic in their eyes versus being heroic in his eyes. The fear of the Lord in this scenario, fear of man. So here's Ahab living in a time where he wants to be his son's hero. Well, to be his son's hero means he's going to stick up for his, his son's new dad. Um, Ahab has put on this huge spread. He's went over there, put on, made, basically made a huge party. He's honored Jehoshaphat. He's, he, so he's coming and he's not only honored Jehoshaphat, but Jehoshaphat and all of his leaders that have come into town, he's made a spectacle of value that Jehoshaphat is of great value and honor. In fact, I want Jehoshaphat on my team because he has a great army. In fact, if you will do a little more study on this, Jehoshaphat had an army that was over a million strong, a million strong. I'd want him on my team too. I'd want that on my team. And so Jehoshaphat finds this struggle with, uh, how do I say no? Inside I'm feeling a no, 
But everything around me is if I say no, that, that I am gonna be hated upon or I'm gonna be looked like I'm, I'm disagreeable, I'm gonna be looking like I'm, going, I'm resisting what I should be inheriting. Kind of like the voices today. That, you know, when there's a no inside of us, we find ourselves pulled into the yes around us. In 2 Chronicles 18, verse 3 and 4, says, Jehoshaphat replied, I am as you are, my people as your people. We will join you in the war. Jehoshaphat makes it, I, I, he has this fear of man speaking to him. He says, I, I, you know what? I, I feel like I, I need to oblige. I need to, to, I, I need to be agreeable. And today we find ourselves, no matter what, in conversations, one side we're agreeing with the, um, we got to be very sensitive to those who are perishing with COVID-19, and then the other side we got to sign ourselves, well, we got to speak in faith. And we measure not what God is saying in the moment, we measure by our audience. That's the fear of man talking to us, not the fear of God talking to us. Number two, it says, the fear of the Lord shows Jehoshaphat that these men are not who they say they are. There's 400 prophets that are all saying, go to war. I mean, it just seems like that you would think, man, let's, we're in, I'm in. If I heard 400 people, but yet there's this inner voice in Jehoshaphat that says, something's not right here. There's this inner, like I said in Isaiah 11, there's this discernment on the inside going, something doesn't measure up here, something's not right. And Jehoshaphat says, there is not, isn't there one more? I mean, honestly, would you listen one over the 400? You will if you listen to the fear of God. Many times we shouldn't be following majority people of God. We should be following what God says inside of our heart. And number three, the fear of the Lord brings boldness into Jehoshaphat to rebuke King Ahab. When King Ahab says, yeah, there's one more person, but I never really commissioned him. He never speaks good about me. He never says anything good about what I'm doing. And Jehoshaphat says, the, a king ought not talk like that. See, we're of a kingdom, and our king is Jesus. It's not Jehoshaphat. Our king is Jesus, and he, 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 he put himself on that cross. In fact, we just celebrated, you know, Easter last week. And he rose from the dead. And that underneath, the, and we should talk like a kingdom person. We should walk like a kingdom person. We should believe like a kingdom We should love. We should understand like a kingdom person would. And the fear of the Lord speaks to Jehoshaphat with this boldness. Says, There's got to be another. And of course, we just read it. And that Micah speaks only about what God would say. And Micah begins to speak and says, you know what, this isn't going to end well. And here, I wish I, I, I wish I could say that Jehoshaphat allowed the fear of the Lord to be his teacher. He absolutely started out with wisdom, but he didn't let it teach him. He went the other direction. How many times in my own walk, how many times in your walk, let me share some things that the fear of the Lord will bring in your life. And you know, this isn't saying like, I'm, I'm scared of daddy in heaven. This is mean that I have revere God's perspective. That means that when, when I wake up in the morning, um, I look to God and I say, Lord, I, I surrender to you. Your thoughts, I want to be my thoughts. Your directive, my directive. Joseph was moving in that direction 
And then we, we said we already, he moved away. He actually went to war with Ahab. And literally, what, in fact, if you read the, um, the, the history lesson, you, you can read it in your own time. And it says a random arrow, because Ahab was, Ahab who didn't like Micah, yet he listened and he goes, eh, you know what, Micah said that this is going to end badly for me. And what he does is he tries to trick Ahab, you, you know, you wear, you wear your royal uh, uh, garments, I'm going to go as just, you know, a common soldier. You know, and, and here's what we find in this is that a, the Bible says a random arrow found King Ahab. And, and Jehoshaphat barely escaped. And he had to cry out to God because he didn't belong in that fight anyway. The fear of the Lord needs to speak to our hearts today. Fear of the Lord will bring humility. The fear of the Lord will bring unity. The fear of the Lord will bring victory. The fear of the Lord will show you, show you who your real friends are. The fear of the Lord compels us to obedience. The fear of the Lord will test your intentions. And I want to um, kind of close on that thought right now if I could. This scenario that we're living in today, it's put us in a place where we're isolated. And what I find in those places of isolation is that uh, I'm, not, I'm not getting a reference point to my normally as many times hanging out with my friends, my coworkers, other leaders, just the normal uh, places in life. And I really find that, that most of us bounce our perspective in life from the scenarios that we walk in in our daily routine. And that the motives of my own heart that are in check today, do I love the world is what, something that God has been speaking to me in my own heart. I, I know that I love God. And, and that has been, you know, surrendered to Him. And though I still find myself disobeying Him at times, kind of like Peter denying Him in my actions or maybe in my thoughts or my ways. Thanks be to God that there's a cross I can still go to and find myself that God, He's faithful. He's faithful even when I'm not faithful to forgive me of all of my sins. He's just where I'm unjust. But then there's those other places in my life to love my neighbor as myself. I find that, that in my own heart, unlike any other time, it was easier to say that I loved the world because it wasn't so blatantly drawn out who the world is. And today, I'm told to separate from the world. And I'm finding out what, what does my heart say to the world. I, I know I love my kids. I know I love my spouse and my wife. I know I love my staff and friends and labors, but do I really love the world? Does my heart ache like Jesus does? Do I, do, am I willing to leave my, my comfort of my own home, not so much physically, but in my own heart? Am I willing to get on my knees and cry out for the world? Or am I just aggravated that things aren't normal? 
Am I concerned about when things are, I just want things to get back to normal? Like the word I used, then things got back to normal. Am I looking for the then, just waiting for this, this time period to get over? Or am I asking God, examine my heart? I love David when he found himself in a very weak place in his life. And he was, uh, he found himself uh, in sin and, and he, he says, to you only God have I sinned. I'm, when I first read that, I went, who's he kidding? He's, he had another man uh, killed. He uh, disrupted a whole other family. But what happened was, is his heart was, his fear of the Lord part, his perspective, his first place of ascribing who was, what was really important to him was God first. Then we love others. And so I, the motive of my own heart isn't to, in examining, do I really love the world? But I go back to God. I say, God, making me a clean heart. Making me a pure heart. The Bible says the pure in heart will see him. And what's being, what's being shown in, in, in all of what's going on, these tests, is the spots and wrinkles of our own heart. Opinions and ideas and concepts and blaming and, and maliciousness and, and all of these things that are, that are going on are just really revealing our insecurity of, of who we are in him. And that, that when we really fear God, we're so secure in him that our, our next step is, first of all, it's love. And then when, when we ask the question of what's, you know, hey, what's God showing you? We're not left, boop, 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 you know, stuttering. Because if I ask, and I have been asking that question of myself and others, I don't hear talk. What I hear is a whole bunch of stuff that's going on in the world and people picking sides what they think is the perspective of right from wrong. I want to share with you what God's doing in my own heart. He's revealing spots, wrinkles in this hour that he wants of my life. Not that things won't take on another step with him. I know they will. But does he purely have my own heart? If, if persecution comes next, where I have to lay my life down, will I deny him? Or will I ascribe to him in that moment? Would you please bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're out in the audience right now and I believe God is speaking to your heart, I know he's been speaking to mine in these moments of restlessness and uncertainty. And many times it's a lot easier to, to bounce thoughts off others but you know, one day we're going to sit in front of the king himself, not with a, a parade, not with our children, not with our, not with our spouse, not with our co-workers, not with our entourage of, of good deeds. But we're going to get right in front of the king of kings, and our heart is going to be rendered exposed to him. Did we surrender? Do we really love him? Is he our Lord and our Savior? If you're watching this right now and, and you're uncertain that, that your heart is, that is surrendered to Jesus, 
that maybe you struggle with the fear of man. You, 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 you're so concerned about what's going on outside of you. And right now, God's talking about what's inside of you. That place that he has. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says eternity is locked up inside of everyone's heart. And God's knocking on that space in your heart right now. That's because he loves you. He adores you. Or maybe you've already given your heart today. And this message has just rendered you speechless. And you're finding that, that, there ha- that you find yourself in that place where, yeah, I, I need to give, I need to, I need to surrender more of my life to him. The Bible says we love in word and in deed, which means our expressions to him show who is Lord of our life. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. If either one of those scenarios, whether you're making the step for the first time or you're making this step again in a further surrender to him, that's where I'm at. I'm furthering Further, my surrendered him. This is really, ex- really exposed areas in my life that of uncertainty in my own heart, spots, wrinkles, where I where I had thought were really cleared up and are unclear. Repeat this prayer with me, if you will, Father, in Jesus' name. I surrender, and I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, for those spots, for those wrinkles in my own heart. I surrender my heart. I invite the fear of the Lord in my heart that I might solely look to you first. In Jesus' name, I'm all yours. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. I pray that God continues what he already started. He is a great and a good daddy. God bless. You are listening to Life Change Church with Pastor Ron Rands. If this message encourages and inspires you, pass it on to someone else. You can find weekly episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts under Life Change Church Muskegon. When you share it to your social media, be sure to tag us at Life Change Church. For prayer support and more resources, visit mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer.